Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. All right, welcome in. It is Sparky's Midday Madness here on The Fan. Coming up, we're going to talk with Adam McKelvey, Brewers.com, MLB.com. He'll join us here in about 15 minutes or so. Looking forward to talking to Adam. We haven't talked to Adam McKelvey in a while. Then, in about a half hour from right now, talk with Mr. Manicharian from Sports Info Solutions about the NFL draft. I texted him earlier to get him on, and uh, he said Packers draft, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, but find me some fun numbers on each draft pick. Because if you don't know, at Sports Info Solutions, they are kind of like the advanced stats of football. Really, where they got, you know, their meat and potatoes is baseball. They also have a football division, uh, too. Uh, They started last couple of years. Uh, So they also have the advanced stats there, too. In fact, I've seen uh, their draft guide. Uh, which we've had uh, Matt Cherry and I to talk about, uh, reference and Rob Domofsky pieces and other pieces uh, from Packer beat writers on the Packers draft picks uh, in the past. So we have Adam McKelvey in 15 minutes, okay? Fine. I I want to do this real quick. We've got 14 minutes, so you're going to have to dial it quick. Dial it quick or tweet quick if you want to get in on this real quick, okay? I say Adam Schefter, you say, fill in the blank. I say Adam Schefter, you say. And I love Dan Plucker. I can see him shaking his head, his head over there on the other side of the glass with the Michigan Wolverine hat on. You, you're, you're fearful of what I'm doing here, are you? A little bit, yeah. Yes, that's fine. I say Adam Schefter, you say what? 414-799-1250. 414-799-1250. Tweet us at... 12.50 a.m. the fan. I want to know. I do. I want to know where everybody's at on this dude. Just straight up. I say Adam Schefter, you say what? And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now. I say Adam Schefter. I say one of the best NFL insiders we've seen. I say Adam Schefter. I say selfish. Because bringing that story on that day was kind of a selfish move. Didn't want to get be on the story. He wouldn't have lost his job had he gotten beat on the story. If Ian Rappaport would have dropped that story instead of him at the NFL Network, they wouldn't have fired Adam Schefter. Like, that wasn't going to happen. He was in no jeopardy of losing his gig had he not broke that story first. But he went with it to make sure nobody scooped him. 
to Isaiah Adam Schefter? Yeah, sure. I say selfish. Fine. But I also say he is one of the best of what he does. You talk about the National Basketball Association. And you talk about Woj and Sham Sharania. It's those two. Mm, that's it. And you've got other guys that are in there, but not at that level. You talk about Major League Baseball. Got, what, three? Maybe Plucker can come up with more than three. I've got Rosenthal, Ken Rosenthal, John Heyman, Jeff Passan. Those are pretty much your three at the Major League Baseball level as far as insiders of guys that are going to break stories. Jason Sark used to be one of those guys, not as much anymore. But those three guys are pretty much it. Then when you get to the National Football League, there's three. Jay Glazer, Ian Rappaport, and Adam Schefter. Those are your three. Now, we've had others in the past that have come and gone. Chris Mortensen, John Clayton, come and gone, had their day. But now it's those three. Now, you can sit here and be bitter and be mad about Adam Schefter breaking the story on draft day. But what is going to drive me up a wall and back down again is when people start questioning his credibility. When people start questioning whether or not he had sources or not. Whether or not we should believe Adam Schefter. Whether or not Adam Schefter made the story up or not. That stuff irritates me to no end. It really does. Now, are there people out there in social media land that go with a source and not two or three? Probably. Are there people in social media land that run with something they never should have ran with because it's not a reliable person, but ran with it anyhow and threw it out on social media to get clicks? Sure. Probably exists. I do not believe in my heart of hearts, any of the people I just mentioned in any of those three sports do that. You may not agree. You may think they're attached to a certain agent or you may think they're attached to a team or they're attached to an agency, whatever. That's fine. And maybe it's true. Maybe one guy isn't real tight with a super agent. Maybe another guy is in real tight with, you know, a, a certain affiliation. Fine. Could be. But that doesn't change the fact of how they do their job. You're not going to land a job at ESPN unless you are tried and true. Adam Schefter was at the NFL Network. That's where he started. They went and got Adam Schefter because they thought he was the guy. And ESPN always has to have the guy more times than not. They didn't go hire Adam Schefter because he makes stuff up. Because he didn't have sources. He just went with what he saw on the internet. That, that's not why they brought in Adam Schefter. No, that's not, that's not how it goes. You, you don't bring in uh, Adrian Wojnarowski from Yahoo to ESPN because you don't trust him. No, that's not how it goes. Sham Sharania, there's another one. 
Guys, these guys all have long-standing jobs at what they do because they're the best of the best. Right? The Top Gun movie, right? That, that movie, Maverick, you get a choice. Any choice. Anything you want to do in the world. What do you want to do? I'm going to be a flight instructor at, at Top Gun. And, and the guy goes, oh, God help us. Because that's the best of the best. These guys here, they're the best of the best in what they do. You may not like what they report. You may not like when they report it. You may think they have it out for your team or your favorite player or whatever. But to discredit and discount them because of what they report from their sources is ridiculous. Having said that, will they be wrong sometimes? Sure. Absolutely. Could they be led astray by a couple of different sources? For an agenda type deal from a couple of sources? Yep. Definitely can happen. Could they be right? And then the person they're reporting about denies it to try to make them look bad to save their own tail end? No question that happens. And that has happened for long periods of time. Stuff's right. But the player or the team is embarrassed by what's being reported and denies, denies, denies and says, ah, no, no truth to it. And then the fan base of that team gets all upset and rips the insider because, ah, oh, you were wrong. My guy says you were wrong. Okay. More times than not, they weren't wrong. They were right. And now these guys are trying to save face at the end of the day. I don't expect anybody listening to me to change how you go about your business on social media or otherwise, or how you view these insiders. Doesn't matter. But just remember something. If you don't like or trust any of them, just think about what this would be like if they didn't exist. If there was no insiders, there was no John Heyman, no Ken Rosenthal, no passing. You don't know about anything going on with your favorite teams until a press release comes out. Would you rather have it that way? The NFL, trade deadline, free agency, and all that other stuff. They're no longer existing. They're out. No more insiders at any networks or anything, right? You find out nothing until a press release comes out. Would you prefer it that way? NBA, no more Woj bombs for you. No, no, no. Gotta wait for the press release to find out that the Bucks traded for Drew Holiday. Is that what you want? Because from my perspective and my point of view, I love all of that stuff. I love rumors, drama, all of it. Not because I'm a sports talk radio host and I sit here on a radio and talk in front of a microphone every day. That's not why I love it. I love it as a sports fan, even if I wasn't here. Right? Let's say I was with Joe Zanzola selling cars. Still would love it. Still would be on Twitter, looking and seeing what the rumors are, talking to customers, talking to other salespeople. I'd still be doing it. And I promise you, he's still doing it. Or anybody else that's worked in sports talk that's out of sports talk right now, it doesn't change who you are. You're still a fan. And you love that stuff. Now, some of you may hate it. And if you hate it, I simply say, no problem. Just get off Twitter and avoid TV. Just read the newspaper. That, that, that there will clear it all up. 
If you get off social media and don't watch sports on TV outside of your game itself, you can avoid all the insider rumors and innuendo and all that stuff. You won't get irritated and angry and mad at everything. And just read the newspaper because that's the day after news anyhow. So then it'll already be official by that point, more than likely, and you can read it in the newspaper. But I have a feeling that most of you do like it. Most of you don't want to see it go away. Just, I mean, again, you want to get mad when he dropped it, Schefter. That's fine. Get mad. I agree with you. It was a selfish move. He was in it for himself, which, again, that's his job. They pay him to break stories. He gets paid to be one. They didn't bring him in to be the third or fourth guy on a story every single time. They brought him in to break stories. The same reason why Ian Rapport is doing what he's doing. And Jay Glazer is doing what he's doing. Now, Glazer doesn't break nearly as much as the other two. But either way, Fox still has him employed, and he's for a reason. Because they believe he knows things that other people don't know, and when big stuff happens, they want him on it. Does that make any sense to you, Blocker, what I just kind of went over there on, on the whole insider thing to start the show? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we're pretty much on the same page there. Okay. Like, for anybody who is out there thinking that Adam Schefter just made this out of nowhere, that's just so foolish to think. Correct. Because... If, if you don't believe in the national media, if you think the national media is all about hype, yada, 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 then can you explain to me why Tom Silverstein confirmed the reports? But no, no, no. But, but Well, that's the other thing. Pete that's going to confirm the reports. Right, but what and, happens is you have those people, some of those people also don't believe the local media either. Because what's going to if if he comes back, whatever he says, Rogers, is going to be gospel. And everything that anybody else has reported will be considered trash and a waste of everybody's time. That's how this is going to play. Right. I promise you. But as our good friend Gary Ellerson likes to say, it's a fluid situation. The story is developing right now. The, sure. Everything that is happening right now yes. is happening in real time. It's not like anybody out there can that's reporting these things can predict the future and what's coming up. So a lot of these percentage chance, whatever it is, of him coming back, it's all just speculation. Like nobody actually knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to do, but they're going to give you the information that they have to help inform you the best that they can and help you make a general assumption of what can happen next. Yep. And that's what all of these people are doing. No question. There he is, Dan Plucker, executive producer of the Wendy's Big Show and, of course, Sparky's Midday Madness. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Adam McKelvey of Brewers.com and MLB.com. Do not go anywhere. Uh, and uh, sorry I had a rant there to start the show, but had to get that off of my chest. Welcome back, Sparky's Midday Madness. Adam McKelvey of Brewers.com, MLB.com, set to join us momentarily. Let's go to Jack in Brookfield. Jack, you're next on Sparky's Midday Madness. What's going on, Jack? Hey. How you doing, buddy? Day, TGIF. Yes, sir. Hey, you know what this reminds me of? I, I get kind of a sadistic pleasure by, by this, uh, you know, all this cacophony surrounding uh, management and A-Rodge. But, I, but I'm a big A-Rodge fan. And, and this reminds me, I mean, did you ever watch the 70s show? Yes. You know, when Kelso, you know, comes out and he goes, burn, burn. Yes. You know? and, and that's exactly what it is. Uh, unfortunately, though, I, I, I mean, it, it has very serious consequences. And, and I, I really believe, you know, the things that Guten Kuntz was doing, and, and even Lafleur to a point, because I do believe, you know, Lafleur knew about it and that type of thing. And, and, and based on what's happened now, 
in some of these playoff games. I mean, Lafleur wouldn't even call a timeout to talk with Rodgers on fourth down. I mean, come on. You th- don't you talk about that one? You would think so, yes. And and, and so <laughs> I just think that uh, somehow, you, you know, these guys, uh, well, well, I'm thinking on management side, Guntenkunz pulls that thing, and I, I really think he was trying to put Rodgers in his place, you know, just kind of say, hey, listen, you know, I'm running the show here, and, you know, you're going to have to do what we want you to do. Because even LaFleur at the time was saying, hey, Rodgers is changing the play at the line of scrimmage. You know, he was, he was getting – Yeah, but they, seem, some... but they seem to be on the right page by the end yeah. of the season, though. That they did. Yes. yes, and last season they were certainly on the right page. I mean, everything was going cool. But, you know, the... <laughs> I keep going to that 70s show because uh, I really think, you know, Guten Coons would just when – when that came out, did you see any of those YouTube clips of, of the day of the uh, draft? when they drafted Jordan and, and, you know, they're saying, you know, they, they go into all the drama. The Packers are now on the clock. Here they are with their pick. And when they said Jordan love, it, it was like rooftops started burning. Pe- people were like swearing yeah, their heads but, off. No question. I mean, but LeFleur was giddy. I got to run. I got, I got Jack. I got Adam McKelvey uh, sitting on the great Midwest bank hotline from uh, brewers.com and MLB.com. As you can see, Adam, Aaron Rodgers has taken over sports talk radio. Well, I don't blame uh, anyone for wanting to talk about that. It's it's crazy. I feel like an, I feel like I have an outsider's perspective on it, which is interesting because I'm not dialed in. It's the it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> because here's my outsider, not a football. You know, I'm a football fan, but I'm not a football guy. Right, here's yeah, my yeah, outsider's yeah. perspective of what it is. Aaron Rodgers is mad the Packers drafted a quarterback and didn't play him. Aaron Rodgers is mad the Packers drafted a quarterback that they didn't play. Yes. That's what this is, right? Yep. And this, all this stuff, all this energy is about a guy who's sitting on the sidelines. It's so weird to me from the outside. And I'm sure there's a million baseball things that people say this is just as stupid and I accept it's just the way it is, but it's the whole thing is just very weird. And what my one other thought, this is the thing I always think about Aaron Rodgers. He was over, he was, he was overly sensitive that 60 minutes profiled him and characterized him as overly sensitive. <laughs> I always thought that was hilarious as well. Well, I don't know if you heard, but Tyler Dunn has a piece at golongtd.com and he has an uh, unnamed player, current player in the locker room uh, that called, um, Aaron Rodgers, a petty trolling bleep. Uh, and so then we had uh, Tyler Dunn on after we saw it right away. We called him like, hey, can we can get you on right away talk about this. And he's like, well, in a weird way, it's kind of a compliment. I'm like, I don't think that's going to read as a compliment around the country when people start referencing that quote. But who knows? We'll see how this whole thing plays well, out. Well, it's great for talk radio, so I'm happy for you guys. And he's an awesome quarterback, so I also understand why people care so much because you think about all these other cities where, you know, you watch your football team and you don't know from week to week what you're going to get. And we've been so blessed for 30 years. No doubt. We get so mad. Everyone gets mad when the Packers lose because they're just really good every single year because they have these great quarterbacks. So I understand why people are mad. Brewers have been pretty good for the last three years, trying to make it the playoffs for the fourth straight year. But without your MVP, Christian Yelich, in that lineup, and Lorenzo Cain not really in the lineup necessarily as much either, uh, this offense, not all that good right now. 
No, the but but look, here's the thing. You know, we could be on in any city in baseball talking on the radio about the local team, and we'd be talking about how their offense is not very good. Um, it's true. This is a sport-wide problem right now, and it's a bunch of different things, mostly that pitching has become so scientific and so specialized that it's really hard to hit right now. And we totally take it for granted because it's happened slowly right in front of our eyes for a couple of years. But the game that stood out to me was the extra inning game against the Dodgers where they bring in this lefty that they just brought up that day to sort of like pitch as long as he can in extra innings. And Craig Council said after the game, he Council had never heard of him. He didn't know if he'd pitched in the majors before. He had the year before for the for the Marlins. But basically, the Brewers didn't know any have any idea who this guy is. And he's a lefty throwing ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, and they're everywhere. We take for granted that that is not normal. That is not the baseball that we have watched for our entire lives. Something's happening right now with pitching that we have never seen before. And um, so yeah, what's happened is you got kids that are training year-round. You have all of these computer programs and stuff yeah. being attached to you and everything else that are really putting you in a position to maximize everything you have on your body to get the most yeah. out of it. And before, technology didn't exist to allow you to do such stuff. No, and it's happened in the last couple of years really fast. And, um, you know, Corbin Burns is a poster child where he was able to go into this pitching lab that they have and remake himself um, by honing in on the most specific parts of his game. And they have all this technology. Instead of just, like, theoretically talking about concepts, they're looking at slow-motion, high-speed video. They're looking at spin rate. It is all very scientific on the pitching side, and it's not there yet on the hitting side, but it's getting there. And... um, you know, I'm not all doom and gloom about baseball. I think the game goes through changes over time. There was an era in the 60s where pitching absolutely dominated and the sport of baseball persevered and it still was, you know, America's pastime. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes you do see some games and you see what's happening down on the field and um, just the lack of action in in a lot of these games. Um you know, maybe the the old man in me now. It, it does make you worry a little bit about are people going to be drawn to this sport if it's all so specialized and robotic and decisions are made. You know, there's no more. There, there's very little gut and soul in the game. Right Correct. Now. That's very done. scientific. Yeah, no question. That's um, totally done. Talking with Adam McKelvey, Brewers.com, MLB.com, uh, and. You know, we talked about the offense and how offense is down around Major League Baseball and so forth. Well, the one thing every other Major League city is not talking about is having a hundred guys on the IL all at once, and that 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 is something. Again, I mean, this I, I brought it up before. This reminds me; it really does. And somebody asked me about it on Twitter. I said, "You're absolutely right. It reminds me of the Magic Carpet Ride year when Rodgers and the Packers went to the Super Bowl because they had like a hundred guys uh, on the injured reserve, and they were literally picking street free agents up, plugging them in like Howard on the defensive line." Uh, and getting something out of them and then making that magical run through the playoffs and, and winning the Super Bowl, the Brewers are sitting here knocking on the door first place after having been in first place with all of these guys hurt. I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to end the same way for the Brewers as it did the Packers, but it kind of feels like a magic carpet ride year is kind of setting up here. Well, that, you know, that's what the players keep saying is, boy, when we get our, our studs back, we're going to be really good. And that is the optimistic way of looking at this. 
and it allows them early in the year to figure some things out about different guys. I would say JP Fireye, when Devin Williams faltered early, coming back from uh, shoulder issue last year, uh, JP Fireye now has vaulted himself right up into the high leverage group. Yep. And that's a very big deal for the Brewers. I think on the hitting side, I think of Tyrone Taylor, who's got an opportunity to play. You know, he would have had to wait for that opportunity. But here it comes, and, it, and he gets to start and gets some at-bats, and he's proving to be a really good player. So it, you find out about some guys early, and then you hope when you get your, your main players back and they perform, now you're a better team. But the key to that whole thing is getting your main guys back, and they've gotten, you know, Colton Wong was out, he's back, and he's performed extremely well. Uh, Lorenzo Kane, I think in a couple of games, he's had an impact on these games uh, that he's been back just getting on base. But the Yelich thing is concerning because this is new. You know, he's had back problems. We talked to Andy Haynes yesterday. This goes all the way back to his very early days in the minor leagues. And on one hand, I said this yesterday, it gives you hope. He, he overcame this stuff to become a superstar. And occasionally his, his back would give him trouble and sit a couple of days and then get back in there and he's Christian Yelich again. This is different. This one's lingered a lot longer than any of the others. And he says they have some answers that he didn't really want to get into about exactly what's going on, but they, they need to get additional answers about how to treat this and overcome it. And I don't blame people who are nervous looking at, you know, seven plus years, almost eight more years left on this big contract he signed. This is a really good player central to everything they do this year and for the next couple of years. And he can't get on the field right now. And that, that is very concerning. Yeah, no question about that. Also concerning is Keston here because I think people are starting to to get a little worried there as well. He comes up uh, first time in the majors, hits a tar off the ball, and you're like, hey man, this dude might be may win a batting title at some point. I mean, you saw what he did in college, up through the minors, quick. Like here we go, pandemic year hits. Yelich didn't play well either, so whatever. Not really, not really going to count that. And then you come back this year. I'm on the radio screaming and yelling about here in spring training, being worried. He goes on a hot tear right after I get off the radio for a week or two. And then the lights go on and we're back to being ice cold again. And now all of a sudden he's in AAA uh, trying to figure it out. Should there be concern about Keston Hira in the future? Well, look, I mean, yes, Uh, because you just never know in baseball, right? I mean, you can be the greatest prospect ever and show it in a short stint and then go through a really bad time that ruins you forever and, and you're, you're out of the game. So I'm not going to say that's not possible. But I am going to just go to my grave saying this guy is a good hitter. He can hit. He did it his whole life. They drafted him with an elbow injury because he was just such a darn good hitter. They wanted him in their system. Um, he, is a, he is a good offensive player. There is swing and miss in his game. And even when he was good in 2019, there was a lot of swing and miss. So that is something to be, you know, somewhat concerned about. But I am just going to say that he comes back and is a, a really good offensive player for him. I don't think that you're a, a, a great hitter for your whole life through every level of the minor leagues and get tested at each level um, and then show up in the big leagues and all of a sudden you can't hit anymore. And it's, the, the, the weirdest thing is watching him swing through fastballs right in the strike zone. Um, I don't think that's going to continue. I think they want him to clear his mind for a little bit. He'll eventually play some games at AAA. And I, I just, I'm, again, I'm going to just stick to this and say he's going to hit in the big leagues. I'm with you. He's, he's my favorite player, so I, I hope and we're both. And look, Mike, we were talking about this yesterday with Andy Haynes. Mike Trout got demoted. 
Uh, Mickey Mantle got demoted. Oh, no. So the fact that you that a guy comes up and then gets demoted to the minor leagues because he looks like he can't hit doesn't mean that he's not going to be a good player in the end. Well, so it, it's not great, but it's not uh, career-ending. So you brought him up. I wasn't going to bring him. You brought up Annie Haynes, and he, he's the target of uh, many of people on social media right now as far as hitting coach because Chili Davis got fired in New York with the Mets. So now everybody wants uh, his, his his tail end here. I, I will just say this. Having been around that club uh, for a number of years when I was going to games all the time uh, and talking to uh, different hitting coaches over the course of time while people are on the field or whatever, you're just standing in the dugout watching and talking. I mean, you hear so many stories. You hear guys being in slumps and not wanting to deal with the hitting coach. I'll come find you if I need help. I've been in the league 10 years, whatever the case may be. You you hear the different stories. The younger guys seemingly want help more than than other guys do. But then you hear the Andy Haynes stuff from this offseason, and I was on the radio praising him, going, this is amazing, him flying to different locations and working with guys on on hitting, like Narvaez and stuff, and, and working with these guys on Zooms or whatever throughout the offseason to make sure, kind of get their, their stuff strained out from maybe if they didn't play well last year. I was praising him, like, this is great. This dude's going out of his way to try and get these guys better. So I thought it was great, and now they're not hitting, and now here we go again. People want Andy Haynes fired. I'm not there, uh, but how how is he handling all of this? Because obviously I'm sure he hears the chatter. Oh, yeah, but I don't think he's the kind of guy who, who dwells on that. He's done this for a long time, and I don't think you need to worry about Andy Haynes you know, worrying about job security. To me, this is just one of the delightful traditions of uh, the baseball season. <laughs> The weather warms. Everyone reports to spring training. It's, it's great hope. The season begins. Maybe your team are, you know, the Kansas City Royals get off to a really nice start. And, boy, maybe they're better than we thought they were this year. And then, you know, the guys don't hit because it's April and May and nobody hits in April and May. And they should be scoring more runs. And, gosh, we should fire the hitting coach because the team's not hitting. And then summer comes along and you forget about wanting to fire the hitting coach. They start, start hitting. Yep. To me, the ebb and flow of the year, this is – it's early in a year in an era in which pitching is dominant. I don't think the problem is the hitting coach. Um, I, I think that is a very oversimplified gut reaction. And I, I said this yesterday too. This is just a, a thing in sports that's a very strange thing that when your team struggles, you get mad and you want to fire somebody. Um, it's a, it's a weird thing to want someone to lose their job, but it, it happens all the time in sports. Um, I, I just, we don't, we don't know how good Andy Haynes is at his job, Let, let's just be honest about that. No idea. Unless you're one of the hitters, you don't, you don't know. And, and look, it, I get major league baseball, professional sports. It's a bottom line business. You are, you are measured on wins and losses. You're measured on statistics. So that's, that's fair. But if we are really honest about it, we don't know how good Andy Haynes is. We don't know if Jacob Cruz is better than Andy Haynes or Andy Haynes is better than Jacob Cruz at the job they do. Their job is to give the hitters information to succeed, get them feeling good. You know, so much of it is psychological. Get them feeling good. Help them through the tough times. Um, all I know is that every hitter who works with them says, this guy does a really good job. He is there for me. He gives me what I need. Um, I haven't heard any grumbling that Andy Haynes does not do a good job. Uh, the batting average is not what they want. The results are not what they want. But I, I just, I'm, I'm not in the camp of firing the hitting coach being the answer. He is Adam McKelvey. Follow him on Twitter, of course, Brewers.com, MLB.com. Adam, long time. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. All right. 
See ya. Enjoy the rest of your midday madness. Draft talk next, baby. Draft talk. Back to the NFL draft and Packers. Go right back to it. Thank you, sir. There he is, Adam McKelvey on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline of applying for home renovation loan as you're feeling anxious. Just breathe and let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. It started at GreatMidwestBank.com. Matt Manichurian coming up next from Sports Info Solutions. He's got some fun numbers on each one of the Packers' 2021 draft picks. We'll talk with him straight ahead here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Welcome back Sparky's Midday Madness here on The Fan. Thanks to Adam McKelvey for joining us there in the last segment. You miss anything, always use that Odyssey app, free to download, A-U-D-A-C-Y. All you got to do is hit rewind, go back and listen to that Adam McKelvey interview or anything in the last 24 hours here on The Fan you can listen to. Going back to the big show earlier, Tim Allen was on, Ken Barkley from You Better You Bet on the Odyssey.com site, Mike Sando, senior NFL writer for The Athletic, Tyler Dunn, GoLongTD.com, he's got a hot and juicy story out there today. Jim Paschke, Bucks play-by-play announcer, was on from Bally Sports, Wisconsin, soon to be retired uh, Jim Paschke. He was on uh, as well. So, again, all of that by simply hitting rewind or simply go to 1250amthefan.com. John Paul's Buick GMC, Fan On Demand. You can listen to all of those interviews or any other shows from the Bart Winkler show to the big show, Wendy's big show to Sparky's Midday Madness to the next show coming up at 3 o'clock, the Rami show with Rami Makhlouf. Uh, all of those work. Joining us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, time to talk some NFL draft. He is Matt Manicherian from Sports Info Solutions. Matt, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me. All right, first things first, uh, with the way the top of the draft played out uh, and how the quarterbacks went, did anything, obviously one and two didn't surprise you, did anything after that with those top quarterbacks, where they went and how it all went, surprise you at all? Uh, no, Trey Lance going there at three kind of made more sense to me than the, the Matt Jones speculation, which I think came from, you know, somebody who has a shared tattoo with Kyle Shanahan. There you go. Basically get, getting the word out there. But um, once that happened, I thought Matt Jones could have even gone further than 15. I really didn't think that anybody was thinking about taking that player that high. So it didn't surprise me to see him go where he went. And Justin Fields, you know, I had a, I had a feeling that this was the way it was going to go. I still think he should have been the second quarterback off the board and probably the second player off the board in general. Uh, so I think the, the Bears might have gotten themselves a steal there. Certainly they addressed a, a big position of need on their roster when, when you look at things there. So um, it, it surprised me that the Bears were able to get in position to come up and get a player that I held in such high regard. So that's probably the most surprising thing about it for me. But uh, in terms of the way things went, went down, uh, pretty uh, understandable overall. Let's go over uh, these draft picks for the Packers. Uh, so first, Eric Stokes out of Georgia. Many people thought Eric Stokes was more of a second-round pick than he was first-round, but again, it's at the bottom of one. Uh, what did you make of Eric Stokes out of Georgia, the corner? Yeah, people make too much out of round grades and stuff like that. In this draft, there were probably 10 players that were in a tier of their own, and then there were a whole bunch of players when you looked at players from number 11 to maybe about uh, 50 that were kind of close together. And then again, when you got from 50 to 100, I think it was another big cluster uh, before things really started to get thin. So guys that were late first round, early second round, I think you could have picked them in any order. And he was right in that mix. He was one of the seven corners that we had rated in the football rookie handbook as starting level worthy, true starting level graded players with that 6.7 final grade. You're looking at a third-year junior who's got all kinds of physical ability. He's fast. He's physical. He's got good ball skills. 
Um, he was, he's been somebody that hasn't shown up in the run game. So if you're drafting a corner to be a really good tackler, then uh, this isn't the guy for you, but that's not what I look for in my corners. In terms of what he can do, you look at the press man ability that we know the Packers value with the way that they like to play their defense. And here's a guy in terms of interesting stats, 10 completions allowed last year, and he had four interceptions. So that's when he was targeted 26 times. 10 completions allowed, four interceptions. That's a pretty good ratio there, resulting in a 24.8 quarterback rating for quarterbacks when they when they called his number. That puts a smile on your face if you're a Packers fan, for sure. Second-round pick. I'm not sure all Packer fans were excited about this one, having watched him play as a Badger fan necessarily. Uh, but Josh Myers, the center from Ohio State in the second round. Yeah, I mean, if we can get over uh, Wisconsin versus Ohio State and that whole thing, I think you're getting a really good player. Again, he's at that same 6.7 solid starter level grade player where uh, we think like I'm like the grade indicates you're getting a, a guy who's going to upgrade your franchise, upgrade your ability to compete on a Super Bowl level as a starter. Um, he's a guy that really, really has great awareness in the way that he plays and he plays with great bend uh, in his lower body, the knee and ankle flexibility. When you're talking about scouting, you look at that because when you're talking about these six, four, 300 pound guys, uh, that ability is really what tends to separate them where he has a little to be desired, not the strongest player in terms of being able to be a mauler, driving people and punching them, not necessarily what we're looking for at the, at the center position. You're looking for somebody that has more of that awareness. I think he's going to fit great in the zone scheme that the Packers like to run. I think that's, he's picture perfect to fit in there. He's better in the run game than he is in the pass game, um, and I think especially you'll see that when he comes in uh, seamlessly, he'll fit into the way the Packers like to do things up front. Um, and if there's one stat for him that, I, that, that stood out, it's over the last three seasons, zero holding penalties and zero false starts. Wow. Uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, that's very impressive. No question about that. Next guy, a guy that wanted to be a Packer, talked about it throughout the whole process, and then ended up being a Packer. The Randall Cobb comparison's all over the place, but he's more jacked than Randall Cobb, I think. Amari Rogers, the wide receiver from Clemson in the third. Yeah, you get the, the comparisons there because they're guys that are going to make their livings out of the slot. This is a guy who each of the last two seasons aligned 83% of the time in the slot. So that's where he's most comfortable, a little bit shorter of a receiver, so it makes sense from, from kind of the makeup that you get with him. But this guy is just an absolute beast after the catch. Like you said, he's jacked, and he absolutely is. He's got toughness. He's a guy that's really easy to root for and to get behind. You look at his production in college, 703 air yards. That's balls traveling through the air. 1,441 yards after the catch, 14,1441 yards after the catch. So twice as many yards after the catch as he actually had air yards over the course of his college career. And you saw each and every season. Uh, that's, that's a really rare thing. Usually you see closer to an even split with that in terms of receivers, and that's a really good uh, statistical indicator of the type of player you're getting here, just somebody who's an absolute beast after the catch. Um, the stat that is most interesting for him, he led – all of the receivers in this year's draft class in the number of unique routes that he ran. So he ran 19 unique routes in 2020 for Clemson. That's 19 routes that he ran at least five times each. Um, it was something that you just don't see very much. So you talk about the route tree. Uh, he's got all that and more. No question. That'll be nice if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. And if not, Jordan Love will take advantage of it, I'm sure. Uh, fourth round. I don't know about this one. Uh, Royce Newman, the offensive lineman from Ole Miss, he played tackle last year. Previous to that, he's a guard. If you look at measurables, I feel like he's more of a guard than a tackle. Not quite sure where the Packers will play him. How do you view him? 
Yeah, when I look at Royce Newman, I see him as a backup with positional flexibility. We've got him rated with that backup grade. And I think, you know, sometimes you can get into this game of, is he a guard? Is he a tackle? And I think as scouts, we can sometimes actually get a little bit too carried away with that because what we're looking for is five really good linemen to go play up front. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, if you have somebody that you feel good about playing left tackle, I'd be hard-pressed to not feel good about him playing, you know, right tackle and probably a couple of the other positions on the line. So with Royce Newman, you're getting somebody who's definitively not that left tackle, and he's, he's not going to be overlapping with Josh Myers at, at the center position too much. But we did see him take some snaps at center um, and can be a backup there based on what we saw uh, in Mobile. Um, but he has the positional flexibility and the athleticism to be a solid kind of swing backup where you have him active as your sixth or seventh offensive lineman, and you're not too worried about needing to have other bodies active on the offensive line on game day. So in a way, a player like this can help – uh, your special teams because you can have more linebackers and defensive backs active to be up on that side. I don't think he projects, like you said, uh, into a starting level role, but I do think that uh, when, when you look at what he has, some size, some athleticism, not the great, the greatest balance and body control, which holds him back a little bit, but I think you get a swing backup offensive lineman in the fourth round, uh, not the worst thing in the world. Talking with Matt Manichari and Sports Info Solutions here on Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan. I want to go back to something you said, because I, I think I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. Obviously, I've never been a scout like you, but from a, a guard to attack, from a guard to a tackle position, aren't there certain traits and things you need to be able to do at the tackle position uh, that necessarily may not translate to somebody that's more of a guard? Yeah, so when we look at guards and tackles, the, the key things that we're differentiating are on the outside at the tackle position, it requires a little bit more length and a little bit more athleticism, right? So do you have, A, the arm length? Because you're going to be dealing with a lot of these kind of range. And that's Newman's, that's, that's Newman's knock, right? It's his arm length. Right. The, the, you know, in terms of height, he's six foot five. But in terms of the arm length, I don't have the measurement in front of me here. But, but yeah, that, that was a knock that, that certainly came uh, out of the workouts and that sort of stuff. And more concerning for me is, is that he's just not uh, – he didn't engage very well as a pass blocker. Um, so it's not just the, the measured arm length. It's that, you know, why isn't he not a top 100 player? Uh, why did he come off the draft where he did? It's because he doesn't have that great ability to sustain his blocks and really stay on people. So that's why I say he's not going to be a left tackle, and he's not an ideal starter at right tackle. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to push back on you uh, there as far as that goes. Um, but I do think that if you have the ability to, to kind of hang out on the outside, the only thing that's keeping you from playing on the inside becomes do you have a really, really strong anchor and the ability to handle the way things move a little bit more quickly on the inside. So on the outside, it's a little bit more range, ability to play in space, deal with length. On the inside, it's things happening quickly, and can you get your anchor to set as, as fast as possible? Honestly, if he was an ideal player in either regard, I would say, um, you know, this doesn't work. But we do see players like this where some players are only guard-only type prospects. They're your 340-pounders that just can't move and just don't have the ability to play outside there. Royce Newman, we've seen him play at right tackle. It's not an ideal NFL player, but it's certainly enough to get by – uh, as a backup there, and in terms of being in the zone offense that the Packers run, they're, if, he, if he ever has to play a tackle, you're going to do all kinds of things that are going to try to make his job easier in terms of the movement that you're doing out there. So you're right that there are differences between the position, but I do think that this is a player whose weaknesses won't be particularly more pronounced in one position or another, uh, because guard is hard too. Um, it's not just like, you know, uh, that, that one is harder than the other necessarily. They're, they're a little bit of different flavors of, of kind of the same thing at the end of the day. Different flavors of the same, the same right. food. 
Yeah, makes sense. Fifth round pick, Slayton out of Florida, the big defensive tackle, 6'4", 330. I'm not expecting a pass rush out of this dude, but you know, uh, hold up a couple of offensive linemen, grab a running back going by, and I think Packer fans are happy. Yep, big boy. This is a guy that we got a, a backup level grade on, just got a 5.9, but he's a true nose tackle. Um, he's a guy who's going to eat up blocks, um, do what he's asked to do in the run game from that perspective. One thing you also like about him is that he shows high motor on film, so you probably don't want him playing every snap. You probably do want him off the field on third down, but when you can pick your spots with him and have him in more of a rotation, this is a guy who has kind of the size and the tenacity uh, that can be the sort of player that offensive linemen hate when they see him rotating in on because you know they know that they're going to have to deal with him. So you like the energy that he brings as a backup. Um, and then, hey, I, I'm bringing the fun stats on these guys. He's got 32 career pressures in the pass game. So, I mean, that's not a ton, but that's not nothing. Uh, he had 15 pressures this last year with just 12 games. Um, so, you know, at least once a game he was doing something to affect the quarterback for, for Florida this past year. So, um, again, not ideally somebody who's going to be playing in the pass game, but more than nothing. Fifth round cornerback, Shamar Jean Charles. I hope I'm saying that right, from Appalachian State. Yep. Um, this is a really good pick the way that we had it. We've got a 6.4 grade on him, which is a, a third corner type grade, a slot corner. And that's exactly what you're getting with this player. He's athletic and he's got the athleticism to show for days, but he's both a small player physically and he's from a small school. So for both those reasons, you're going to see him dip down a little bit in the draft. What you like and what you look for in the small school guys is, did you dominate the level of competition that you were at? And he did absolutely that. Our kind of uh, number one stat that we look at at any position at Sports Info Solution is called total points rating, which takes your value in terms of what you meant in terms of points on the field for your team based on our charting. He had a total points rating of over 90 each of the last three years. You can think that's something like a, a Madden rating, sure. over 90. Um, so each of those three seasons, he was dominant at the level that he played at. Uh, he had a negative expected points added when targeted. That means teams went backwards when they went after him rather wow. than going forwards and just a 32% positive rate when targeted. So uh, the statistics, what he put on film there is really good. The athleticism is really good. The question will be if it can translate, um, but he's going to be a slot-only player. Um, uh, but, but we do love the upside there, and we think it could have been a big value pick. The other thing is he didn't have a great 40 time, only a 4-5-40, uh, and you compare that to like a Stokes who was a blazer. That, that's the other probably knock on him. Yeah, and, and 40 times are, man, they're so hard to get a feel for this year because you saw real inconsistency at different pro days, the way these times were coming out. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if, if Stokes wasn't quite as fast as, as the blazing time. I don't think on film he showed whatever, the, the 4.29 or whatever it was. I thought he showed like 4.4 on film, which is very fast. I think you look, you look at Gene Charles, I think he, he looks like a 4.5, maybe a, a high 4.4 type guy. Uh, so not slow by any means but not a blazer, and he didn't test out of, the, out of, the, out of this world. So uh, who knows what it would have been if everybody was on the same level playing field at the combine like we see in a normal year. One more. I'm not going to have time to get through all the, the last three, but I'll get you one more. That's the Badger, Cole Van Landen, the offensive lineman, uh, who's played tackle at Wisconsin, and I saw some stuff on him. Again, 6'4", 305, that maybe he ends up being a guard at the next level too. Yeah, uh, you know, Cole Van Landen is a guy that, that they must have a better – uh, feel for than we do, the Green Bay native, uh, the left tackle. He was the guy that didn't make our top 300 in terms of the football rookie handbook. He was on the outside looking in, uh, some questions about, about the athleticism and the upside. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to the Packers and say that they know their, their Green Bay boy better, better than I do. 
Oh, um, that's but, not. But I don't like hearing. I don't like hearing that. You, you do not make me feel really good. Kylan Hill. Kylan I thought was our fourth ranked running back. So oh, good. Okay, that, fine. Let's, well, and not Kylan Hill. Tomorrow, let's talk about Kylan. Go, go ahead with Kylan Hill since he was your fourth rated running back, and they drafted him in the seventh round. Let's go there. Go ahead. Yeah, this guy, each of his last four seasons has had over 25 broken tackles per 100 carries. So he averaged 28 broken tackles per 100 carries. So this is a guy, you feed him the rock, and he is a ball carrier. He's going to run the ball really well on first and second down. Contact balance and toughness for days. The question is third down. What's the impact in the passing game? Uh, Can he do all those things uh, on third down? the the same way that he brings it uh, between the tackles as a runner, and not just between the tackles, but outside as well. He's just a hard dude to bring down. So you get excited there. Uh, The receiving stuff um, is a little bit of a question mark in terms of what he can do there. But, um, you know, you look at the player, and um, his his total points rating per rush uh, has been up there uh, each of the last three years. Uh, And he's not just a good early down back, but I think he he has the ability to be a, a top early down back. So you're going to want to rotate him in with somebody on third down. But but he can be a, a real steal and a big-time value for the Packers there in the fourth round, in the seventh round. Good. Well, at least we ended on a positive. No, Matt Manichari and Sports Info Solutions, they do a great job. Football, baseball, uh, make sure to follow those guys on Twitter as well. Matt, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. You betcha. Take care. There is Matt Manichurian on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. If applying for a home renovation loan has you feeling anxious, Breathe and let Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of tranquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com. Rami Makloff is here. The Rami Show is coming up. He'll tell us what's up next. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Sparky's Midday. Matt is a young express coming. We talk about so much is continuing to grow. Would you like to be a part of a Christian-based family-run company? How about a company that's been in business for over 30 years? Of course you would. They're currently looking to add to their sales department. This is what they're looking for. Now, again, the most critical one. Outside sales experience in the transportation industry is required. Plus, we're going to prospect new businesses via phone, email, and social selling. Reliable transportation. Got to be able to drive places. Willingness to travel within an assigned territory. Excellent written, oral, and face-to-face communication skills are essential. Closing and follow-up skills are a must. I think that's a a tricky trait to have. Uh, What you can expect, 40-hour work week, salary plus commissions, bonuses, and contests. Not to mention health insurance, 401k with 3% company match, and profit sharing. It's all about making that cheddar. Existing bank of biz, uh, bank, a book of business, not a bank of business, a book of business from day one. Expense account with generous mileage reimbursement too. Cell phone, tablet, and all sales and promotional materials provided to you by Young Express. Email them today at jyoung, J-U-N-G, at youngexpress.com or apply at youngexpress.com. That's J-U-N-G, express.com. Young Express success drives them. And uh, Remy Makloff in the house. The Rami Show comes up next here at uh, 3 o'clock yes, or sir. a few minutes after. Whatever. That's how it's been lately. Doesn't matter. Uh, so do tell me, what, what is on today's show? On today's show, Sparky, on today's show, we will be talking about Aaron Rodgers. I want to know if, if people have come to terms with the reality that may soon face them, which is trading Aaron Rodgers. Did you see the Tyler Dunn article? Uh, did I see the Tyler Dunn In which one no. named player, mm-hmm. unnamed player, uh-huh. in today's locker room, uh-huh. current player, Called him a, called Rodgers a trolling petty bleep and went on from there. I did not see that then because I then remembered that quote. Tyler Dunn came on and said, well, I, yeah, it's kind of more of a compliment. A Gary compliment? I, Gary and I are like, I don't think that's how this is going to play nationally when this quote gets out. Yeah, he just put it up this afternoon and then we had him on as oh, soon as we Oh, this is a new Tyler Dunn Th- article? Did he already have a Aaron Rodgers article? This is on Jordan Love 
But with inside the Jordan Love piece comes this little nugget. Well, now I on have reading to do during a break. Damn it! All right, so we're going to talk about that uh, to open the show. And uh, John Heyman from uh, Oh, I love John Heyman. Odyssey Sports MLB Insider. Yep. He'll be joining me at three thirty. Cody Decker joins me at four o'clock. Not a fan. And I just heard Cody Decker talking baseball Not on our sister station, six seventy score. I was like, this guy sounds like a fun guy to talk baseball with, Evan. Try and get Cody Decker Did on the show. Tell you? So then Evan gets Cody Decker on the show, and then he tells me that there's apparently beef with, between Cody Decker and the Brewers, and he went over the timeline of it with me yesterday. He, he did the beef on the score in Chicago. That's how it all came out. Was oh, really? on the score in Chicago. The audio, I'm sure, is somewhere. We have it somewhere. Really? Okay. Yes. So I'm going to talk with Cody coming up at 4 o'clock. And then... Uh, yes, ta- uh, they got all excited about having peanut butter and jelly sandwich and treated it like filet mignon or some stupid <laughs> thing like that. I don't know what it was. Dumb. <laughs> what about Milwaukee? That it's yeah. A, it's a yeah. peanut butter and jelly sandwich? It's Brewer Spring Training. They got all excited about PBJ like it was filet mignon or oh, something. Oh, but I, re- I remember when they had the Thank PBJ. You. Thank you. I brought this up. There was a whole article else. about yes. it. There no, was a whole article about the PBJ. That was the year he was there. And it was taking over. It wasn't just in the Brewer's Locker. Room. Do you remember like, that? Dude, PBJs were going across the yes. NBA. Like, trainers right. were feeding their athletes it was PBJs that, everywhere. Yeah. It was that year. It was a PBJ craze. It was that year, and he holds it against them. So, the PBJs? I'm glad or, you remember that besides me. Well, I remember the PBJ You're sandwiches. You're the second person that but actually remembered That's not what he was mad about. He wasn't mad about peanut butter and jelly yeah, sandwiches. Yeah, he was knocking them about the quality I mean, of food he might have and whatever else. Him, but that's not what he was mad about. Do you know what he was mad about? What? Well, that they told him he was going to be a catcher. Yeah. Evan went through this whole timeline with yeah. me. They told me he was going to be a catcher, and then like weeks went by, and he didn't play any catcher. And he was like, "What's going on? Why aren't I playing catcher?" So he was like calling the catching coordinator, yeah. and the catching coordinator was not answering his calls, not returning his calls, nothing. And then finally one day, they they call him in, and I don't I don't remember was he cut or did they just tell him he wasn't going to play catcher? And then he was like, "Well, I never even got a chance to do it." And the and they said that the catching coordinator said he didn't like what he saw. He's like, "The catching coordinator won't even return my calls." And then he goes back to the locker room, and usually they will let you if you're cut. Yeah, he must have been cut because I forgot this was the end Definitely of the story. Cut. Um, they'll let you take like your giant bag of belongings, your big duffel bag, your big baseball bag that mm. you see these guys walking around with. And apparently a trainer just emptied out his baseball bag in front of his locker, just dumped all his stuff on the floor in front of his locker and took and kept the bag. They're Whoops. like, <laughs> team property, son. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Team I guess technically team property, but, usually- but apparently he hates the Rockies organization. I think more than the Brewers organization. If I, if I remember correctly. So, so. Cody will join us at yeah. four. And then uh, I want to know how long the Brewers can, can stay afloat with all these injuries that they have. Sparky, I was looking over the injury list today and like the timelines for all these guys and good God almighty, man. And also throughout the show today, we're going to have some fun with this Aaron Rodgers thing. We're going to have some fun with it. Don't look at me like that. Okay. Give me your best Aaron Rodgers conspiracy. Get real weird and wild and wacky with it. I'm going to cue up the X-Files music. I want your best Aaron Rodgers conspiracy. You got one? Well, if we're talking conspiracy. Yeah, let's do it. If Danica Patrick's with him, this never happens. <laughs> there you go. You got to explain, though. You can't just throw the conspiracy out there and not explain it. I need why. Hey, 3 o'clock, Robin's show. Stay tuned. <laughs> Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.